Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Our next guest, PJ Ryan, law lecturer at LIT. Well, uh, the reason we want to talk to you is the area that you are an expert in, a cab. No, I don't mean a yellow taxi in New York, but I mean the Criminal Assets Bureau, uh, PJ. And uh, you've uh, looked at that as part of your doctoral studies at the University of Limerick. And one thing I suppose we should mention about cab because people will see headlines around them and think about it in the context maybe of top criminals around the country but they also look at what might be described as low level offenders don't they and that's sometimes through social welfare it, it is indeed, Joe. Um, I suppose they're an interesting way of doing criminal justice in Ireland and they were, they were new and novel and um, they've only been around for 20 years and it seems like they've been around for much more than that because I, I think they've achieved an awful lot in that period of time. Um, and I suppose when when they emerged and, and they emerged through tragedy and there was, you know, the, the tipping point for them was, was tragic deaths in 1996, including um, Detective Gerda Jerry McCabe and Adair. And it was what I call a tipping point in that there was a lot of things happening anyway. Um, but at that stage, I think we, we realised that we needed to do how we dealt with criminality in Ireland needed to be done differently. And a very simple approach in one sense was taken in the sense that we decided not to focus on the criminal. And that sounds very strange, but what we decided to focus on was the the, the assets of the criminal, the, the finance behind the criminal. And basically, if, if you consider that crime was a business, and the beating heart of any business is its cash and its reserves. And if you can take away the beating heart, if you can take away the cash flow, then you can take away the business. So traditional criminal law, you know, as your, your 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 listeners will be aware, you know, from from watching the TV shows and stuff, and you know, police, and then you have a prosecution, and then if you want, you can punish the individual, and that's that's traditionally how criminal law was done and how it's still done. But this was not about um, punishment per se. This was about what we call threat neutralisation. It was about taking away the threat and. The original theory behind that, as you say, was to target what, what the, the legislature called the kingpings of crime, the, the major drug lords. Um, so it, but as, as, you, as you correctly acknowledged at the start, you know, it's, it's developed much more from that. So it's, it's brought together three heretofore unconnected agencies, um, the Gardaí, the Revenue Commissioners and Social Welfare Inspectors. And the three of them working in a multi-agency as opposed to multiple agencies. And that was one of their keys to success. So to be clear then, um, are there people, maybe in Limerick, certainly around the country, who have their social welfare payments frozen because there is a view that they are getting money through crime? Yes, um, is is the simple answer to that. One of the the remits of the the Bureau is to target criminality at all levels. And when, as I say, when it merged first, uh, they were very much targeting at the the higher levels. But the realisation came then that if you if you target it at lower levels, then they might never get to the higher levels. They might never succeed, and it might be a deterrent in that sense. So, um, if if the, the the criminal justice bureau if they suspect that there's criminality going on, then they can come. They can freeze the social welfare payments. They can uh, investigate it. They can. <coughs> excuse me. Um, has there been overpayments? Um, can we stop payments in that sense? So, it's all done. I, I suppose in in, in ways very modern approach the traditional approach of you know that again that we see on tv um you know of, of the stakeouts and gone this is much more an actuarial approach this is an administrative approach to law 
um, aided and abetted by very new approaches, which builds on what law would traditionally have done. Um, okay, we're chatting to PJ Ryan. He's a law lecturer at LIT and uh, he's an expert on the Criminal Assets Bureau or CAB. So, is it possible then that there are mothers listening to this show this morning who are worried about their kids and know that there may be a drug dealer um, on the block in the area and are wondering why isn't something being done here? Is it possible that things are being done that they wouldn't necessarily know about yet? Yes, def- definitely there is. And I suppose that, that phrase that, that frustrates everybody, you know, that something must be done and, and, and people find it very hard to answer that question and what should be done. And I suppose this has been building over 20 years and, as you correctly say, without maybe people knowing that there's stuff happening. Uh, what the Bureau make great use of is divisional asset criminal profilers. No, that's a mouthful. Uh, divisional assets, divisional criminal profilers. So there are profilers in different regions. And when this idea emerged, you know, in the early 2000s, it was decided to have one profiler in each Garda region, which was 25 at the time. Um, that expanded over time up to 200. And in 2018, it's now gone to 378 people that are trained um, asset profilers. And quite a few of them covering the Limerick area. Quite a few of them covered in the Limerick area. You know, Limerick is one of the big target areas for the Bureau. Um, I, I, I think possibly second behind Dublin uh, in number of actual targets. And um, these, these, you know, the, the, the asset profilers go back to the very traditional elements of law because they say, Joe, you know, you're, you're, you're sporting a lovely gold watch there this morning. I'm estimating that's worth about 50,000. You know, I say, I'm not. <laughs> He said quickly, <laughs> this is an example. An example, yes. I, I see your Lexus outside. You know, I know you've been to the Caribbean four times this year. You may have won the Euro Millions, and if you had, best of luck to you and congratulations. Um, but I noticed that you're also claiming social welfare, which is a fixed income payment. And, you know, at that level of fixed income, you just could not possibly be leading the lifestyle. So, so something is wrong. Something is wrong. Now, just because in that answer, we should emphasize this, that you, you were saying there that um, in terms of cab activity, Limerick is second only to Dublin in the country. Currently, and, and there's different targets and, and different numbers come in from the asset profilers, and it will change year on year based on, you know, targets. And it's a, it's a very, very small, the number of people actually employed by the Bureau is very small. It's less than 90. Now, it's going it's to grow to almost 100. But if you think of you know, versus the thousands of Gardaí, you know, the, the thousands of people and the revenue commissioners. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, just currently, that that's where they're at in terms of, you know, finalising their targets. And it obviously takes more than a year, you know, so numbers go up and down over two, three-year periods. So where do um, the profilers that you mentioned um, get the initial um, impetus to look at an individual? Where does that come from? So in other words, they don't look at you, they look at Johnny or Alan down the road. How is that done? It's done in various different ways. Um, in one way, it's through their own knowledge, Okay, because we've, we've moved from 25 for the whole country to 378. We've expanded the number of people that are doing it, um, trained profilers, and it would now include people from uh, the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, um, people from the Insolvency Agency, and, and, and very large number of guardies. So there's routine, you know, guard work that people are aware um, of what's happening in their local community. So law had become very centralised, okay, and very regimented, and that was the, that's the nature of criminal law, and, and it should be the nature of criminal law. But the Criminal Justice Bureau works in the civil realm, so they get their information. 
as I say, from from local Gardaí, from local people, uh, people can can um, can report uh, if they have concerns. They are they are not obliged to go any further than that. Um, no action is taken until there's a full investigation committed. So you know, um, you know, obviously sometimes you may have spurious complaints. You may have, um, you know. Complaints may come in about people, and it, and one of the things it, that turns out is they're not actually claiming social welfare at all. Okay, they're just independently wealthy, and you know nobody will ever know that that, that was made. So there's you know the knowledge themselves from the Gardaí, knowledge from the local community from expanding the area, and then the community themselves. And PJ, do people end up in jail through the work specifically of the Criminal Assets Bureau, or is it more that they end up stripped? of the things that the CAB can prove or believe, because there's a lower yes. bar, isn't there, of proof? Yes. It's not quite the same as putting someone in jail. Yes. came from the proceeds of crime. Yeah, exactly, Joe. And, and the, the Criminal Assets Bureau don't, don't imprison anyone. Uh, that would, that's exclusively, almost exclusively in the domain of the criminal law. And they're not taking criminal prosecution. In fact, there's, there's no prosecution taken. They're... Actually, in, in, in a strict, without, without going into losing your listeners, but in a strict legal sense, they're not engaging with the person at all. They're, they're in almost ignoring the person. And what they're going after is they're going after the asset. Okay, and just the house or the car the house, or the, the fifty grand gold watch. Exactly, exactly. Not the actual person. So, on, so, so the individual needs to show where the money came from for the fifty grand gold watch, and if they don't, a CAB cab can take the can take the watch, can oh, take the car, can take the house. They can take. So it, it is a quite a considerable power in that sense. Yes. Right, and 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 the idea being that it makes life increasingly difficult and miserable for the person they believe. Yes is involved in crime, but maybe, yes, the guardie can't arrest and bring the full prosecution and maybe end up in jail. So cab do this bit. Exactly. In, in the sense that, um, I suppose, particularly for major criminality, the, the, the controllers, the directors of criminality are many, many, many levels separated from the actual commission of a crime. So in that sense, it's very hard to get a criminal charge against them beyond all reasonable doubt. They've so many officers. And again, like I was saying at the start, it's a business. They're managing it and they have an awful lot of foot soldiers. So in that sense, trying to bring the criminal conviction was very difficult. Uh, people were moving offshore. Um, so in that sense, it was, that you know, in sense of being new, that targeting a different approach. And without naming names, yes. how successful has CAB been even in a Limerick context? I, I suppose my argument would be it's very hard, as you know, Joe, to measure the level of money in the black economy. It's you know people can guesstimate at different things. Um, I suppose looking at it on a national level over over a twenty year period, I mean the bureau took in one hundred and seventy eight million in taxes, and they took in twenty eight million from from forfeiture of assets. And what I thought was very interesting, they took in almost twelve million in savings and recouping of money from from. Uh, overpayments are, are fraudulent social welfare claims and it's a very significant amount of money when you think of the level of social welfare when you think it's a fixed income it's it's a very significant amount of money to deny to criminality in that sense PJ are most of the CAB employees civilians? Uh, no um, the, the majority of the of the Bureau direct employees would be still guards okay, members of the Gardaí but then they're supported by officers from the Revenue Commissioners and Social Welfare Inspectors and when the, the three bodies come together they retain the powers that they had in their own jobs so if you were if you were an Social Welfare Inspector you retain the powers of a Social Welfare Inspector but you get the benefit of being in the Bureau which is if you're targeting criminality it's not you, it's not Joe that's targeting it it's the Bureau 
Yeah, so, it's, it's a very interesting point you make because isn't it true that a revenue commissioner can turn up in an office with his or her badge and they show the badge and basically you have to do within what they are investigating exactly what they say. They have huge power. Huge powers, Joe. Absolutely huge power. It's an administrative power and I suppose that the old axiom, there's nothing certain except debt and taxes and if you have an income, a tax will be levied or charged on that. So there's been an awful lot of court cases around the Criminal Assets Bureau and around that and around that kind of powers and, and the court accepts that, you know, wh- when this is being carried out, this is a normal administrative function. And if there's income, there should be tax paid on it. And if tax isn't paid, there should be penalties, there should be charges. So as you, as you correctly point out, it's a hugely significant power. Right. Finally, um, these criminals are certainly not sending members of CAB Christmas cards. So can this be dangerous work? It can be dangerous work, absolutely. It definitely can be dangerous work. Um, Under the underpinning legislation, non-guard officers are guaranteed anonymity. So the the revenue claim, the social welfare claim, is not coming from the inspector, it's coming from the Bureau itself. And that was one of the big barriers that existed before the establishment of the Criminal Assets Bureau because in the early days in Ireland, it was a question, you know, could we tax the proceeds of crime? Would that be deemed to be somehow sharing um, or accepting criminality? And You know, it was only in the 1980s that we moved away from that idea. But it was very, very difficult for revenue officers because, as you say, their own life would be in danger. Um, And the Bureau gives them that kind of protection and to come together to take the tripart approach. And regularly, when we read about the the Bureau doing something, you know, what we don't always read about is when they take a forfeiture action, they will often take a revenue investigation as well. When they take a revenue investigation, they will often look at the social welfare as well. So it's they're often operating the three things. One of them will get the headlines, but there's a lot going on. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much for that. I hope that uh, helps listeners understand what CAB do in Limerick and around the country much more. And you never know if there is someone living down the road from you and you're wondering, uh, does anyone know what's going on there? Well, there could very well be a CAB investigation going on uh, and you might never hear very much about it, but it is having an effect. Uh, Thank you to PJ Ryan, law lecturer at LIT, who completed a thesis on CAB as part of his doctoral studies at UL. It's all cooperation. It's great to see (laughs) you. Have a great Christmas. Thank Thank you, Joe. Call Limerick Today now on 461995.